Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Kidding, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. Yasis, good afternoon. Well, actually, it's 11 p.m. here in Greece, and I am coming to you from Greece all summer long. I absolutely love this country. I, I love Athens. Uh, the hustle and the bustle, the commerce, the history, the culture, of course. Uh, and I also love southern Greece, the Peloponnese region, which is where I am right now in Verga, just outside of Kalamata, enjoying the sea and the mountains. And uh, I am so honored and uh, and thrilled that the Richard Serrett Show is sponsored all summer long by the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa, which is just an incredibly luxurious five-star resort on the island of Crete, and you you that's right you could win a seven night stay at this incredible resort by listening to this program every monday i announce the greek word of the week and you'll need to listen and enter that word in the contest entry form you'll find that and all of the contest rules at saga960am.ca, saga960am.ca, and then go to my show page. Uh, then, at the end of the summer, we'll pull one name from all of the correct entries, and I'll announce the winner on September the 1st. And this seven-night stay voucher is good anytime from June through September in 2024. So imagine 
spending a week at the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. So be sure to be listening to this radio program every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. all summer long. And uh, I'll be speaking with the general manager of the Cretan Dream, Petros Kardiakakis, uh, just after the news at 5 p.m. And he'll tell us some more about this incredible resort and we'll announce this week's Greek word of the week. Uh, also, check out the, uh, the our Instagram page, at Saga960. Uh, we're posting pictures of the Cretan Dream Resort there just about every day. I mean, check them out. It's, it's just fabulous. I'm pretty sure you're going to fall in love the way I fell in love with Greece. Again, contest rules at saga960am.ca. Go to my show page for rules and the contest entry form. That's where you'll type in the Greek word of the uh, the week and your contact info. And again, the draw happens for one lucky winner, September the 1st, when I'll announce who is going to be uh, heading off to the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa on the beautiful island of Crete. How exciting. Again, for more information, uh, oh, uh, yeah, go to, the, um, go to their website as well. Check out the Cretan Dream Resort dot gr cretan dream resort dot gr you know i may be on vacation uh, spending a lot of time at the beach and we've been exploring different beaches here in southern greece but i'm i'm trying i'm trying as best i can to, t- to stay on top of uh, some of the big stories um but because i'm working one week and then i'm off the uh the next through the summer i don't get a chance to talk about some of those big stories when they happen So I'm going to talk about some big stories which happened last week while you were listening to uh, the best of the Richard Serrett show. Uh, But they're too too important to skip over. And uh, one of those stories was the collapse of the Hunter Biden plea deal that happened last Wednesday in a federal court in Delaware. The plea deal, uh, which was negotiated over several several weeks, was was probably going to spare Hunter Biden prison time. But then on Wednesday, this judge said she couldn't just rubber stamp the agreement. So the case marks the the first time the Justice Department has charged the child of a sitting president. And Hunter's lawyers have been given 14 days to hash out a new deal with the prosecution. And it follows a five year investigation into the finances of the uh, U.S. first son, if you will. So in this plea agreement announced last month, Hunter was to be charged with two misdemeanor counts for failing to pay his taxes on time back in 2017 and 2018. And he was also to admit that he had illegally possessed a gun while being a drug user and uh, agreed to drug treatment and monitoring in lieu of a more serious felony charge and possible jail time. Uh, however, just after the um, the hearing began, Norieka, the judge, said she was confused by the whole deals diversion agreement, and she called for Biden to remain drug free, uh, or the the diversion agreement rather, called for Biden to remain drug free. Uh, he, he couldn't commit any, any additional crimes in order to see the gun charge dismissed, and uh, the defense lawyers and the prosecutors wanted to keep that agreement separate from the tax matters, but the judge wanted to know if it was all part of a package deal. And uh, Biden acknowledged that without the provisions of the diversion deal, he would not be pleading guilty. Anyway, after the deal collapsed, uh, Biden entered a not guilty plea. So 
What exactly happened? Why did this thing really collapse? And what does this mean for Hunter? What does this mean for his dad, President Biden? U.S. Attorney John O'Connor will be here last order of business in hour two to discuss. I also missed the uh, crime minister's futile and desperate cabinet shuffle last week. Uh, I liken it to uh, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. It didn't help the liberal poll numbers, that's for sure. Uh, they continue to plunge. But instead of uh, you know taking some time for serious self-reflection, the trust fund brat decided to lash out at everybody, hardworking Canadians. Uh, you see, it's our fault. We just don't understand how good we have it, apparently. We're just a bunch of knuckle-dragging, mouth-breathing right-wingers who are opposed to change. We're not enlightened enough to understand. Uh, Wyatt Claypool from the National Telegraph will be here in hour two to discuss. Uh, Petros Kardiakakis, as I mentioned, from the Cretan Dream Resort. We'll be here a second hour to tell us more about the resort and spa. And uh, again, be sure to be listening for that Greek word of the week. Coming up this hour, James Pugh from Woke Watch Canada will be here for another installment of the Anti-Woke Book Club. Another big story from last week that uh, needs some serious attention, and that's the, the tragic death by suicide of Richard Bilkso the former school principal with the Toronto District School Board who was bullied and defamed and harassed during a critical race training session uh, back in April and May of 2021. And uh, the, um, the CRT workshop across the TDSB is run by an equity firm called the Kojo Institute. And the founder and um, the, uh, the person leading this workshop is, was Kiki Ojo Thompson. And uh, during the workshop, she uh, she claimed that Canada was racist, more racist than the United States. And uh, Richard Biltzo calmly disagreed. Um, and when when he did, she basically labeled him a white supremacist. And he received no support from his colleagues, his peers. Biltzo uh, had recently launched a, uh, a $750,000 lawsuit against the TDSB, who later canceled Richard, canceling his contract as a fill-in principal. Uh, and in the end, it appears the, uh, the stress and anxiety and the damage to his reputation was all, all too much, all too much for this kind and, and gentle man who, uh, by all accounts, was just beloved uh, by his students. Sue Ann Levy from True North will be here next to discuss. Um, I spoke to Richard a couple of times, and what happened to this poor man is just unconscionable. The TDSB has uh, announced they're conducting a, a review uh, or an investigation. I doubt anything significant will come out of that. They'll just cover their ass. The truth is the TDSB is a dangerous cult. They've destroyed a human being. They've caused unimaginable harm to his family, uh, but they'll learn nothing from what they've done. They won't apologize. They won't engage in any self-reflection, and they'll continue to force TDSP um, employees, teachers, to undergo this ridiculous CRT training. And they don't care. They don't care how many lives they destroy in the process. They don't care that they helped end the life of Richard Bilt. So. 
Again, Sue Ann Levy, True North, coming up next. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Monday, July 31st in the year of our Lord, 2023. Facta, nonverba. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Richard Bilkzo, former Toronto school principal, took his own life more than two weeks ago because he was bullied and harassed. He was serving as a fill-in principal for the TDSB until his reputation was basically demolished after he was labeled a supporter of white supremacy for calling out a black instructor during an anti-racism training session back in April of 2021. And uh, he filed a lawsuit against the school board district earlier this year. However, despite a workplace safety and insurance board probe ruling that Bilkso was in fact the subject of workplace bullying, the effects led him to take his own life back on July the 13th. Sue Ann Levy is an award-winning investigative reporter with True North TNC.news. Sue Ann, welcome back. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Very sad story, though. It's it's haunted me ever since I heard about his tragic death. I uh, spoke with Richard a couple of times, once at a New Blue Provincial Party uh, event, and also, I believe, one, one time on the show. Such a gentle man, very reasonable and beloved by his students, by all accounts. Take us back to what happened during that training session in April of 2021. So this is all from his statement of claim, of course, and speaking with his lawyer, Lisa Bildy, because I wasn't there. But um, apparently the uh, trainer, uh, who was well known to many school boards around Ontario and had been the contractor of choice for the education director, um, Colleen Russell Rollins, at the Toronto School Board and the Peel School Board before that, um, the trainer uh, started talking about um, racism or anti-black or black racism being more prevalent in Canada than it was south of the border. Um, there were four sessions, by the way. This was the second session on April 26th of 21. And she started talking about the fact that she felt in her mind that Canada was far more racist than our neighbor's to the south of the the border. And Richard, um, having trained and gotten his degree in uh, Buffalo, New York, and taught at an inner city school in Buffalo, New York, um, gently um, and politely suggested that uh, he's seen far worse cases of uh, racism, anti or black racism, uh, south of the border than here in Canada. And, and he started giving examples in Canada about of how uh, equitable the school system is, that we're, you know, we have health care, presumably free, although, you know, that situation has changed quite a bit. But um, he, you know, he taught, he gave examples. He didn't just say, you know, this is not so, you're wrong. And I guess the trainer felt that absolute, um, and I can't go into her head, but from this, the sounds of the tapes that I heard and from um, what came out in the claim, she, she felt that absolute, um, anybody suggesting otherwise, that that, that was, she, she thought was a, a suggestive of white superiority 
uh, that how dare he challenge her, that um, he should be absolutely beholden to what she said. And uh, she started attacking him. The poor guy. I mean, she started with, you know, give me examples. How dare you say this? And he did politely. He never, you know, got confrontational. She, on the other hand, from the sounds of the tapes, got very aggressive with him and started, you know, spouting all this DEI uh, diversity nonsense, anti-Black racism nonsense about how he was resistant to her, you know, her mantra and how, um, you know, that was evidence of supporting white supremacy and resistance was evidence of supporting white supremacy. Now, that was the first training session. She continued a week later. This is uh, Kiki Ojo Thompson. She's the yes. founder of the uh, Kojo Institute. This is the consulting firm, as you mentioned, that provides so-called anti-racist training. And it's not just the Toronto District School Board, is it? Is the Kojo Institute uh, pretty much across the board in Ontario or Canada? Do we know? Well, um, I did a follow-up story um, about the city of Sarnia and how they had a similar session. And I was told that the Association of Municipalities, or AMO, uh, of Ontario has suggested her as a, a trainer. So, uh, you know, one person, one board uses her, another board uses her, and one city uses her, another, and and she's been pretty much um, out there in Ontario at a number of school boards. I know Waterloo has used her, Peel used her, the Peel School Board, the city of Sarnia, Windsor. I've heard many, many stories of of her being used because, of course, once an organization recommends her, she, uh, you know, she can spread her wealth around. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty lucrative contract. Uh, we'll take a quick time out. Sue Ann Levy is here from True North. We're talking about the tragic death by his own hands of Richard Bilzo, former Toronto school principal, uh, who, by all accounts, was uh, bullied and harassed um, during an anti-racist so-called training session back in April 2021 uh, and a, um, a labor board ruled that this in fact was also the case he had a lawsuit pending against the tdsb um but uh, apparently it was all too much uh, to bear for a richard built so we'll take a time out come back and uh, continue our conversation right here on the richard sarah show saga 960 stay with us the Richard Serrett Show is brought to you by the Cretan Dream, a five-star resort in beautiful Crete. And for your chance to win a seven-night stay at the Cretan Dream, visit our website, saga960am.ca, saga960am.ca, or our Instagram page, at saga960. The winner will be announced at the end of our Greek summer. Let's get back at it on News Talk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. And we are back with Sue Ann Levy from True North. TNC.news. Please support independent media. We're talking about former Toronto school principal Richard Bilkso, who took his life back on uh, July the 13th after being allegedly, I guess we have to use that word, but it uh, seems pretty clear, uh, he was bullied and harassed by the um, founder of the Kojo Institute, which has been contracted by various school boards uh, across Ontario to conduct so-called anti-racist, uh, anti-racism training uh, for TDSB staff. Um, so 
Richard, um, he reported this incident to the uh, TDSB. What was their response? Okay, so I just wanted to say that he was amongst 200 people, principals, uh, administrators, and not one person spoke up in his on his behalf, even when she, at the end of the first session, uh, said, likened him to a weed, and she had performed the job of a weed whacker, and she felt that she was really hot, that she had done great work that day by putting him down. Um, like I said, I heard the tapes, and there was a real sort of aggressive patronizing tone to her um her her contentions and then she continued in the second session a week later um unprovoked uh started going after him again 200 people nobody said a word the toronto school board when he um made a complaint to the wsib did not disagree with any of the facts in the case the Toronto uh, School Board, um, you know, gave him the time off. WSIB ruled that he um, had been indeed harassed, vilified, that her behavior was egregious. And again, I repeat, the administrators at the Toronto School Board did not dispute the facts. However, when he came back to work in July of 2021, they proceeded to cancel him. His contract uh, that they had, you know, they had lured him. They had said that he was a wonderful principal and they wanted him uh, to be a casual principal at Burnham Thorpe Collegiate. They breached the contract. They canceled it. And then they proceeded to um, not allow him or, you know, not hire him for a series of subsequent contracts. So he was tarred and feathered for perhaps going to the WSIB, for perhaps speaking up. Uh, but, you know, this contractor had said in the sessions that the Toronto School Board should go after him, that they should reprimand him for resisting or not being able to unlearn his white supremacism. And they did exactly that. They continued to cancel him. Uh, not uh, hire him for various contracts, even though he had been lauded as an exceptional principal prior to this whole event or series of events. So he was basically labeled a white supremacist in front of his colleagues during yeah. one of these sessions, correct? Yes. And no one spoke up. No one said a word. No one defended him. Um, no one supported him. Uh, you know, it was the best case of by bystander apathy I've ever heard of as of, re you know, in recent years. Um, and, uh, you know, they uh, they kept their heads down and allowed it to happen. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out.
This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. So his lawsuit, uh, I believe it was for three quarters of a million dollars. It was against the TDSB uh, because mm -hmm. they contracted the Kojo Institute. What was the, um, do we know what the status of that lawsuit was? Had, it, had, had there been hearings or was it, was it proceeding no. at the time of Richard's untimely death? No, it had only been filed with the court. It had not been served on the TDSB because I asked for a statement of defense and um, it had not been served on them. So it's really up to his family at this point whether they want to proceed. If it were me, I would proceed. Um, I think this this story has re has gotten international attention. It was covered on Fox News. It was covered over in England, um, New York Post, uh, to just name a few. And I think that it has really resonated amongst uh, not just the general public and, and, and not just teachers, but the general public. Um, and it's, I think hopefully it's awakened people to what is going on behind closed doors at these school boards. Was uh, the founder of the Kojo Institute, Kiki Ojo Thompson, was she named as um, uh, a, a defendant, I guess, in this lawsuit? No, she was not. Um, but there was some talk that she would be brought in uh, once it got underway. But of course, everything is sort of at a standstill now. Understand the part, the family quite, you know, quite uh, naturally are uh, very overwhelmed with what happened. I mean, it just took everybody by total shock and surprise. This is a delicate matter, but did did Richard leave a note? Do we know? Did he did he mention anything about the training session specifically or do we know no. any of that? No, I don't know. Um, although his lawyer, Lisa Bildy, did say that the stress of uh, what happened and then subsequently being canceled. To me, um, I mean, I can't get into his head. I don't know what was going on. Um, but uh, and it caught me totally by surprise because he worked on a mayoralty campaign with me just weeks before. To me, the, the, the fallout by the board and the idea of being banned and canceled and cut off from your livelihood and shunned is probably probably would just um, work on you just as hard as or or depress you or affect you just as much as what actually happened at that session. Sue Ann, we'll take one final time. I'll come back and uh, I want to talk to you about the uh, TDSB now launching their own investigation uh, of Richard's passing as well. The uh, Minister of Education, Stephen Leachy, has also called for a review. We'll get into that. Uh, Sue Ann Levy stays with us, award-winning investigative reporter with True North, TNC.News. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. Sue Ann Levy is with us from True North, TNC.News, support independent media. And we're talking about the uh, tragic death by his own hands of uh, Richard Biltzko, a uh, former principal with the Toronto District School Board, uh, who was harassed and bullied at an anti-racism so-called training session uh, conducted or uh, it was contracted uh, out by the TDSB to a group called the Kojo Institute and uh, the, the founder, uh, Kiki Ojo Thompson, uh, leading a number of these anti-racism sessions, uh, referring to Richard Biltzko as a uh, basically as a white supremacist simply because um, he differed, had a differing opinion on whether there was uh, a greater degree of racism in Canada 
uh, or the United States, a place where he um, he trained as a teacher and taught in Buffalo, New York. And he he thoughtfully and calmly, um, uh, you know, basically uh, disagreed with uh, with the Kojo Institute director. And um, she was not too pleased with that. So she went after him. Uh, he took his own life on July 13th. Uh, there was a lawsuit. Uh, there is a lawsuit pending uh, with the TDSB for $750,000. Uh, so, and the, the TDSB now is calling for its own um, um, uh, investigation. Um, and they have retained the King International Advisory Group to conduct this uh, investigation. Tell me about the King International Advisory Group. I don't know too much about them, but they are very woke because on their, if you go on to their online site, um, they have uh, several commemorations to Indigenous lands. So that sort of didn't trigger me, but that just suggested to me that they are very woke. Apparently, the TDSB has used them before. Um, they're an investigations firm, and as someone pointed out to me, it's probably to help gather information for the potential lawsuit. In my mind, uh, you know, it's like the fox. We've we've just actually posted a story I did. It's like the fox being in charge of the hen house. I mean, these people, uh, you know, allegedly led uh, Richard, canceled him, and led him to an untimely ending. Um, and I, <laughs> I have a real big problem with the board investigating itself. It's not going to be truly independent. You hire a consultant, you pay them. That's not independent. It should be somebody, and I don't even know why they need to do it if the education ministry is doing a review. Um, and I can only imagine what will come back from this. I mean, it's it's a travesty. Um, and it really, um, I, I mean, as I say at the beginning of my column, the director of the board has a lot of gall to be investigating uh, and, and stepping outside herself and uh, as if they had nothing to do with this, what happened to him? I mean, it's clear from the um, the claim that uh, they canceled him. They canceled him, even though you know a, what their contractor did was wrong, according to the WSIB. And so, what are they investigating? They're not going to investigate themselves. The problem is that the root of the problem at that board is the administration starting at the top and the activism and the um, and, and number of teachers have come forward to me. I mean, there is a real problem with the toxic culture there. So is that going to be unveiled? Is that going to be revealed? I doubt it. What do you think, Richard? I think a good start would be to immediately suspend the contract with the Kojo Institute, at right. least, you know, pending the results of maybe not right. even their investigation. Maybe this this order should come from the Minister of Education, Stephen Leachy, mm -hmm. and should demand that all uh, dealings with the Kojo Institute should be stopped immediately pending the result of an investigation. What about the ministry's investigation? Do you think that'll get to it, it, go anywhere? I have my doubts. The problem again is the root of the problem is that they have this equity unit that's being driven by a man by the name of Patrick Case. I've mentioned him before. He was put in there by the Wynn government and um, he is very tight from what I can see um, with this contractor, with Colleen Russell Rollins, the education director. There's a real tight little circle. 
And unless they get to the root of the problem and get rid of, or, you know, get rid of, or put on notice these people, I would say get rid of Mr. Case, because I think he has caused, from what I can see, uh, a lot of the issues at these school boards with equity training, um, they're not going to accomplish anything. I mean, the Ford government came in, they did not do anything with the education minister. They did not clean house. They should have. And now all these problems are coming back to, well, I don't even realize, I think they realize to haunt them. And the parents of various children at various school boards are screaming for change and they're not listening. They're not listening. I mean, between gender ideology and this critical race theory and this anti-black racism training, when do the kids ever get taught actual academics? Well, now it's ended tragically and it's time to rename DEI. It should be discrimination, exclusion and indoctrination. And uh, let's hope that perhaps the the uh, investigation by the ministry will lead to some resolution of this and that Richard's life will not have been taken in, in vain. It's a very tragic story. Richard Biltzko, eternal be his memory. Sue Ann, thank you so much for this. You're welcome. Sue Ann Levy, investigative reporter with True North, TNC.news. When we come back, the Anti-Woke Book Club. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. And it is time for the Anti-Woke Book Club. James Pugh is an entrepreneur, father, and independent writer for Woke Watch Canada. James, welcome back. How are you? Oh, I don't think James can hear me. Jacob Jacob is working on it. I hear you. Just hold one. Okay, now you can hear me, James? Yep. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, coming to you from uh, from Greece, so we're just hoping that the internet holds. Anyway, good to see you again. The Anti-Woke Book Club. James is a um, an entrepreneur, father, independent writer with Woke Watch Canada, and uh, we'll tell you how to uh, to subscribe and how you can help uh, the folks at Woke Watch do uh, the great work that they do. So a couple of weeks ago, James, I think when last we spoke, uh, we were talking about uh, James Lindsay, a speech he made. James Lindsay is, uh, I guess, by trade, he's a mathematician. He's a cultural critic. He wrote a book called The Marxification of Education, something we talked a lot about, you and I, and also just in general on this program. Um, so this today, we're going to talk about something called The Long Telegram. And this was sent uh, by, uh, I believe it was an American diplomat who was stationed in Russia back in at the end of the Second World War. His name was George Kennan. And he was trying to explain in, in, in as short an essay as he could or a telegram as he could, the, the serious threat posed by international communism, which was being run out of, you know, Moscow, basically. So you think you, you you were telling me that it's important to sort of understand um how this long telegram really is 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 it's essential in order to 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 examine it in order to understand how international communism uh is also linked to the study of wokeism so just take a few minutes and maybe explain what the connection is between that this long telegram warning about international communism and 
you know, what James Lindsay is warning about with wokeism. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the James Lindsay thing, because I in my essay, I paralleled the two. I thought that the, the James Lindsay speech that you and I discussed was sort of like a long telegram type message. Uh, in both cases, whether we're talking about James Lindsay's speech or the long telegram by George Cannon, an analysis of what's happening, which uh, in both cases, there are these movements that are subversive. So it's very hard to understand what's happening with these movements. They come from the left and they're subversive and they have this invisible sort of subversive element to them. So they, it, it's this understanding of that that um, I, think, I think it kind of begins with George Cannon and the long telegram. When, when the State Department received it, uh, they were pretty shocked. They, they, I think they assumed that they would at some point have relations with the Soviet Union because of their partnership in the Second World War. Um, but uh, them and told them that uh, about the incommensurate nature of international communism, and there's no appeasing it, there's no partnering with it. And from his telegram, they actually they derived the Truman Doctrine, the policy of containment, to sort of wait out communism and let it kind of die off on its own. Right, because what, still there? Did we? Yeah, no, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Uh, so what Cannon was was explaining to the U.S. State Department is the international communists were in it for the long game. Um, you know, like whether it, because Marxist theory basically is that, that that's the end of history, right? And ultimately, it all leads to international communism. It's inevitable. So you, you don't have to force its yes. hand. You don't have to foment revolution. You just bide your time and it will happen. Uh, it's it's inevitable. It's just sort of destiny. So they're in it for the long game. And that's kind of what Kennan was trying to explain in this telegram, the long telegram. So then are we if you're making this parallel between James Lindsay's speech on wokeism and the long telegram about international communism, uh, we also do understand then that the people behind wokeism, they're also in it for the long game. They think it's inevitable. Oh, yeah. The the term, and we've used it in your in this segment before, is the, the long march to the institutions. That's sort of the cultural Marxist uh, framework. Um, but it's, yeah, long march to the institutions. Um, the thing that you said about history is totally correct. Uh, Marxism is considered a scientific, quote unquote, theory of history. And a lot of modern academics practice it in what they call historical materialism. And this is very much, I think it's a very bizarre thing where they, they believe that history is destined, that the uh, communist utopia is at the end. And that history is like a, we're being pulled towards that in a way that's predestined. Um, it kind of removes the, the 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 free will aspect of humanity, you know that that liberal minded people, conservative minded people have. Right. So is is wokeism then um, best understood as Marxism or international communism ad adopt or adapted uh, for the West? Because uh, it seems like you know socialists or communists. In, 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 in the West, they've sort of made their peace with capitalism. You know, it seems like they're fine with making money, uh, particularly if they can use that money. Witness someone like a George Soros, for example. They're fine with making money. They're fine with uh, capitalism as long as they can funnel that money into cultural Marxism. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're 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 right. It's it really has always been about power. Um, whether they were saying whether they were, they were trying to represent a working class or today they're trying to represent uh, marginalized identities in the race, sex, and gender categories. But th- I think that's all like just the front. That's just what's said. <laughs> it's really about bringing about uh, pa- seizing power, the left seizing power, all of its leftism. And what's interesting, too, in this discourse is like a lot of academics really reject that wokeism has anything to do with Marxism. They really reject it. And they, 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 they lean on the postmodern analysis. But I think they're wrong. I think that cultural Marxism is a thing. I think James Lindsay has done excellent work in explaining what it is. And I think that wokeism is a bunch of bad academic ideas. Postmodernism is one. Cultural Marxism is another set of them. Anti-racism has its kind of own thread. All of these different academic strengths, they're sort of connected to each other. They're relevant. They're all anti-Western. They all have sort of the same agenda, but they kind kind of come from different academic traditions. Yeah, queer theory would be another probably. Um, so yes. with with George Kennan's long telegram back in 1946, which you say led to the Truman Doctrine, uh, in other words, uh, a strategy to contain international communism. Is there a a containment strategy, uh, a Truman type doctrine that we can apply to the woke movement? That is really hard to tell, uh, possibly. But the danger would be to ignore it, to think that, oh, if we if we can wait it out, we can ignore it. I think that some sort of policy of containment where we are waiting it out might work as long as we are hyper aware that these activists have infiltrated our institutions through their long march, whatever you want to call it, that we have to be aware that they're there, what their mission is. We have to really understand all their ideas and stuff and exactly what they're doing. And if we can contain it as long as we it, we have that knowledge, but to, to forget about them, to, to you know file it away and and just think it'll go away on its own, that would be a huge mistake. James Pugh is an independent writer with Woke Watch Canada. WokeWatchCanada.com is the website where you can read the Substack. How do we how do we support Woke Watch Canada, James? Well, there's a couple of ways. All the information is there on the websites. Every post tells people how they can become a paid subscriber or it directs people to a donor box that we have where they can make a, a donation of any amount that they want if they want to contribute to our investigative uh, independent journalism. <laughs> WokeWatchCanada.com. WokeWatchCanada.com. James, great job. Thank you as always. Thank you. All right, hour two, straight ahead. Uh, Petros Kardiakakis, the general manager of the Cretan Dream Resort, will be here and we'll give you some more uh, details on the uh, the contest where you can win a seven-night stay at this beautiful, luxurious five-star resort in Crete, Greece. John O'Connor, U.S. attorney, will be here. We'll talk about the collapse of the Hunter Biden plea deal and also Wyatt Claypool from the National Telegraph. Plus, news not in the news. Hour two coming your way in mere moments right here on The Richard Serrett Show. Don't go away. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. 
Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show, and if you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still, plenty of great programming coming your way this hour, and of course, all summer long, I'm coming to you from the beautiful country of Greece and enjoying an amazing summer here. We've had some actually surprisingly cool evenings the last several nights, and then we've been sitting out back here in Verga, outside of Kalamata, enjoying the sunsets and uh, some beautiful starry nights. Coming up a little bit later this hour, John O'Connor, U.S. attorney, the author of Postgate, as well as Mysteries of Watergate. He'll be here to tell us about Hunter Biden's a plea deal completely collapsing. What does this all mean? Wyatt Claypool from the National Telegraph will be here to talk about Justin Trudeau, the prime minister. His poll numbers continue to crater. And now the prime minister is lashing out at everyday hardworking Canadians and blaming us really for his uh, his problems. All right. Well, let's leave our problems far behind. I mentioned coming to you from Greece all summer long. Here is your opportunity to win a seven-night stay at an incredible five-star luxurious resort on the beautiful island of Crete in Greece. That's Greece's largest island. It's the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. And uh, a little bit later, we're going to tell you how you can uh, win the seven night stay. It's a, a voucher that's good from June until September of 2024. Right now, joining us is the general manager of the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa, Petros Kardiakakis. Petros, welcome back. How are you? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Thank you, Richard. I'm well. How's yourself? Terrific. Thank you. 
let's let's talk about the uh, the beaches. Crete, of course, is renowned, world renowned for its beaches. And of course, the dream resort and spa is so perfectly situated right in the heart of uh, the great beaches in, in Crete. Tell us about them. The Cretan Dream Resort is um, located in Hanya, which is the west of Crete. That's where we've got a lot of the beautiful beaches, which includes Balos Lagoon and La Fonisi, the Pink Beach, and many, many other beautiful beaches like Falasana and so on. I'm near Kalamata right now, and I love the beaches here as well. They're uh, they're kind of rocky. We wear our water shoes as tourists. You can always tell the tourists, right? We wear the water shoes where the uh, the people that live here they just <laughs> run right across the rocks. What are the beaches like in Kiti? Are they sandy? Okay. We do have sandy beaches. We've got both. We've got the sandy beaches and we've got the rocky beaches. The rocky beaches are more on the southern island, on the southern part of the island, where the beaches I'd mentioned to you, Balos Lagoon, La Fonisi, Falasana, very sandy, beautiful beaches. The lagoon, Balos Lagoon, is absolutely stunning, beautiful sandy, light blue water. It's really, really beautiful. So all sandy beaches on the Hanya side. Wonderful. And Hanya, tell us about Hanya, this uh, remarkable town. The town of Hanya is a town where a lot of different cultures due to trade had come to Hanya and settled. And we had the Venetians, we had the Egyptians, and that's where you'll find the Egyptian lighthouse and the Venetian-style housing and little laneways. It's very, very beautiful. We talked about the fact that you grow much of your own food at the resort property, vegetables and, and so forth. Tell us about the lemon trees at the resort. So our lemon trees that we've got at the resort and at our farm, the hotel farm, it's something that we use a lot in our food, in the Greek culture. So everything that's got to do with seafood will come out with lemon. So it's something that it's used in the Greek culture very, very much. Um, so whether it's, it's not just seafood and even on our meat, we will put lemon on our meat, on our seafood. So it's part of a Greek culture. So we need a lot of lemons. So that's what we want to, to get out to the culture, our culture of food, to the tourists today. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Experience what it's like having all these different foods with um, lemon on top. Absolutely. And also the honey. Greece is world-renowned for their honey. You've got some special honey there as well at the Cretan Dream Resort. We do. We do. So the honey is, is it's something that I've grown up with from dad, and it's become a passion of mine. So honey, is, it's, a, it's a big part of my life as well. The honey here is beautiful than other countries from around the world. And the reason being is because we've got a lot of thyme here. So the thyme that we've got on the island of Crete, the red thyme and the white thyme mixed together by the bees gives it this beautiful aromatic and very, very healthy honey. Petros Karidekakis is the general manager of the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. And 
we are giving you an opportunity to win a seven-night stay at this incredible five-star luxurious resort, a voucher that is good from June through till September of 2024. And uh, what you need to do is go to the website, that's saga960am.ca. All the rules, the contest rules are right there. And also, we're uploading some pictures every day, new pictures of the Cretan Dream on our Instagram page which is at Saga960, at Saga960. I mean, take a look at these pictures. If you don't absolutely fall in love, then uh, you don't have a heart beating in your chest. It's absolutely incredible. So what you need to do to qualify, enter our Greek word of the week. Every week, we're giving you a new Greek word, and you enter that into the uh, the contest uh, entry, and uh, then we will select an email, and the winner will be announced on September 1st, right here on the program. And Petros, last week, uh, the word was dream, of course, the Cretan dream resort and spa. What else do we think of when we think of Greece and the beaches and the uh, the dream resort? We think of the sun, the sun, and the Greek word for sun is... Ilios. Ilios. All right. So we will take the word sun, or you can use the word Ilios, and again, enter that into the contest entry. And uh, good luck. Petros Kardiakakis is the general manager of the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. Incidentally, when people talk about, and I hear this all over Greece, oh, you've got to go to Crete, you've got to, it's a, it's a, it's a totally different lifestyle. What do they mean by the lifestyle in Crete being so different? The lifestyle, first of all, the the lifestyle of the island, the weather, it's very different to the the rest of Crete, being that we're in the southern part of um of Crete and very close to Africa. And it's funny you say that. I, today, one of my friends from Australia came and visited me, and he stayed one week with me, and he said to me, Pete, I've, stayed, I've been in Greece for two months now. I haven't slept so beautiful ever in my life than now that I've been in Crete these past seven days. And that is something true, and this is something we hear from a lot of people. Um, the island... I don't know what it is, uh, Richard, but it's the people, the climate, the the food, everything, everything that this island has to offer just makes it so special and so different. And I'm guessing also a part of that good night's sleep might have something to do with your incredible beds at the Dream Resort and Spa, of course, because you designed the beds yourself. Correct, correct. Yep, correct. They come from our um, family business back home in Australia, and we've brought them over, and they're the mattresses we have here at at the resort. And I will also direct uh, listeners to the Cretan Dream Resort website, and uh, you can learn all about the resort, check out the pictures, the spa, the weddings. They have a great gallery there as well, cretandreamresort.gr, cretandreamresort.gr. Petros, great to talk to you again. We'll talk again next Likewise, week. Likewise, Richard. Thank you very much. You take care now. All right. Bye for now. All right. Again, the Greek word of the week is sun or ilios. Good luck. All the uh, contest rules and regulations are on the website saga960am.ca. Don't forget to pick out or to check out the incredible pictures of the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa on our Instagram page at saga960. All right. Coming up later this hour, my conversation with U.S. Attorney John O'Connor. We'll talk about the uh, Hunter Biden plea arrangement, which would have seen him escape uh, any jail time for tax evasion and uh, uh, gun uh, gun crimes uh, because he was a drug addict and purchased a, a, a gun illegally. So uh, we'll get into uh, exactly what happened with that uh, plea bargain. Why did it collapse? Why at Claypool, 
will be here from the National Telegraph. We'll talk about Trudeau, who is uh, the Liberal Party, of course, uh, just underwent a um, a cabinet shuffle last week. Didn't do any good. They're still cratering in the polls. And uh, Trudeau is lashing out at everyday Canadians, blaming them for his problems. But coming up next, news, not in the news, right here on The Richard Serrett Show. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. News, not in the news. All right, welcome back. Do you know Chuck Norris, martial artist, actor, not the greatest actor, but I, I always uh, appreciated Chuck Norris. And um, I don't know how many seasons he did of Walker, Texas Ranger, something like 200 episodes. Anyway, he's a he must be nearly 80, but he's in tremendous shape. Uh, and he he's now he's a columnist with our good friends at WND, formerly World Net Daily. He just wrote a piece that I wanted to share with you about Christopher Columbus, because Columbus Day is uh, coming up in uh, in the United States, August 3rd, and uh, 531 years ago, Christopher Columbus set sail for the New World. And uh, Norris is not exactly defending Christopher Columbus, but sort of defending this idea that you can, you know, place an historical figure, in this case, someone from the 15th century, under the 21st century moral microscope. So he begins, when I was a kid, the story of Columbus' voyages and discoveries were inspiring and heroic. Today, he sparks controversy. For those who possibly don't know, Columbus, among a myriad of historical figures, has been a target of cancel culture the past few years because of his corralling and enslaving indigenous people, many of whom died in captivity or were abused by Columbus's crew. As Pew Research defined, cancel culture is a movement to remove celebrity status or esteem from a person, place, or thing based on offensive behavior or transgression. The cancel culture movement has sought to remove the influence of historical figures like Columbus by toppling statues, tearing up textbooks, and removing curricula. Over the last few years, here's what a few headlines looked like. Christopher Columbus statue debate rises as controversial statue fall across the country. Lancaster's Christopher Columbus statue toppled again. Maine, among at least five states celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day for first time instead of Columbus Day. Much of America has stopped celebrating Columbus Day, but the explorer remains revered in Italy. And uh, again, um, our good friend uh, Chuck Norris continues. But today, those same communities are struggling with how or if at all to teach about or recognize Columbus contributions without condoning all of his actions toward indigenous people. Case in point, Columbus, Ohio, a city named after the discoverer, is in a particular pickle. Having taken down his enormous 22-foot, 3 and a half ton 1955 statue in front of City Hall in July 2020, in response to Black Lives Matters protests. Today, the mayor, Andrew G. Uh, Andrew J. Ginther, is pushing for a $3.5 million program to reimagine Columbus while transforming the city's commemorative landscape to more fully celebrate the diversity and multiplicity of our city, end quote. But it is reimagining, but is reimagining historical figures while appeasing cultural diversity crowds. The new way America is going to have to display or teach history. 
is it possible to engage in reimagining without reinterpreting or avoiding the truths of history? Does Columbus need a new form? I'm mentioning it. I'm mentioning it here because Columbus anniversary launch date of August 3rd is this week and schools will be starting up classes again soon. If Columbus made any contributions, they all are being swiftly wiped away and whitewashed from U.S. culture, classrooms and textbooks. But should they? Should he? As I'll point out in a moment, there is no justification for any human's mistreatment by others, period. However, one problem often results when standing up for certain ethnic groups by, for example, bringing down statues. Such actions are uh, such actions often denigrate other people's groups at the same time. That is why in 2021, Italian-Americans also held a rally in Chicago, appealing to the mayor not to take down three Columbus statues. They said such actions would utterly denigrate and annihilate Italy's contributions to the discoveries of the New World. Actually, in August 2022, a commissioned Chicago City Committee concluded a two-year survey and is now recommending 13 statues, including the three of Columbus, come down as part of a racial healing and historical reckoning project. Ron Onesti, president of the Joint Civic Committee of Italian-Americans, said the committee's recommendations are literally preposterous. One of Onesti's T-shirts he wears to pro-Italian rallies has the image of Columbus that reads, Christopher Columbus, the first Italian-American. It's difficult for those of my generation to understand how we can, com uh, can omit so many pivotal figures in U.S. history because they lived centuries before ours when slavery was entrenched in global culture. History is still history, and huge accomplishments are made all the time by imperfect men and women. In fact, we're all imperfect, including me. If faults, even big ones, are the criteria for eliminating someone's influence, I guess you have to throw away all of my world championships, 20-plus action films, and over 200 episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. George Washington said it well, perfection falls not to the lot of humanity. Unbeknownst to most today, broken and sinful behavior was also included among the different indigenous communities Columbus enslaved and tried to convert and civilize under the Spanish crown. New York anthropologist Crystal DaCosta wrote a 2018 piece in Scientific American titled, Who Are the Indigenous People That Columbus Met? She wrote about tensions that likely existed between and among the different indigenous communities of the Caribbean, all of which likely practiced some degree of ritualized cannibalism. Cannibalism isn't exactly humane, is it? Nevertheless, one man's evil is no remedy for another's evil. As DaCosta again explained, because of the conquests of Columbus and others after him, many of the indigenous people of the Caribbean were eradicated by disease, starvation, and the hardships of the work they were made to do in the mines, as divers and on plantations. But the middle of the 16th century, their numbers were so low that the import of Africans as slaves was necessary to continue to, col to colonial conquest. We now know how that story goes. That is why I state for the record, I abhor and feel terrible about the cruelties Columbus and his crew eventually brought on the Arawaks on the Caribbean islands. I equally feel bad that Francisco Bizarro did the same to the Incas in Peru. I'm also sickened by, the, by what Hernan Cortez did to the Aztecs of Mexico. 
And I also condemn how the English treated the Native Americans of Virginia and other regions. And we are all aware of the hideous slave trade of blacks. But do we admit or whitewash English and European leaders' contributions and only discuss their sins? Can we no longer recognize any good that came from early American colonialists and founders? It's true Columbus, the Pilgrims, even the first English colony in America at the Jamestown were colonizers. But that doesn't take away from the fact they all led the way for us to be here. Do I agree with all they did? Of course not. But am I thankful their landings led to my family and me experiencing the American dream? Yes, I am. Cruelty doesn't erase or change history. Even Germans don't refrain from teaching about Hitler because of the Holocaust. They remind themselves and others around the world of his cruelty upon humanity and then learn from history's lessons. Why can't we at least do the same? Just because Columbus left Spain not knowing where he was going doesn't mean we can't credit his voyages and expeditions for their vision, sacrifices, and contributions. Just because Columbus and his crew were riddled with pro-Spaniard prejudice and domination over native peoples, as heinous as they could be, didn't make his adventures and discuss discoveries invalid. Anyway, it's a, uh, a great piece by uh, Chuck Norris, WND.com, reimagining Christopher Columbus. When we come back, Wyatt Claypool from the National Telegraph. As uh, Trudeau shuffles his cabinet, his poll numbers continue to dive. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Hey, welcome back. And of course, all summer long, The Richard Serrett Show, sponsored by the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. And of course, you have a chance to win a seven-day, a seven-night stay at the uh, this beautiful luxurious five-star resort on the island of crete and uh, what you need to do is go to the website saga960am.ca and uh, find my show page for the richard serrett show saga960am.ca all the rules are there you just need to plug in that word of the week you hear that greek word of the week and of course just a few moments ago i announced uh, this week the word is sun or the greek word is ilios that's uh, greek for sun S-U-N, son, Ilios. And um, uh, September 1st, I will uh, make the big draw, and one lucky winner will uh, have that voucher to use from June until September in 2024. Pick a week that works for you, and uh, very exciting stuff. Oh, also, you can find uh, contest rules on the uh, Instagram page and some great photos of the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. The uh, Instagram, uh, Instagram page is... Uh, at Saga960, at Saga960, getting uh, some emails from people saying Columbus Day isn't August the 3rd. No, it's not. It is in October, but it was August 3rd uh, back in 1492 that Columbus set sail. That's why we brought that story up. All right. Not a great week last week for uh, the crime minister, the trust fund brat, Justin Trudeau, despite overhauling his uh, cabinet, a huge cabinet shuffle, um, the, the Liberal Party continues to plummet in the polls, and uh, he's not taking it too well. Here with more, Wyatt Claypool, senior correspondent with the National Telegraph. Wyatt, how are you? Uh, not too bad. Thanks for having me back on, Richard. Uh, do you think what that what, was that what that cabinet shuffle was about? Um, was kind of this last, you know, a Hail Mary pass to see if he could reverse the uh the, the slide in the polls they're they're now what back about nine points from the conservatives yeah he's nine or ten points back right now i don't think it's exactly 
uh, his last Hail Mary pass to save the liberal government. It's his last Hail Mary pass to pretend that he's not the problem. Every single time that Justin Trudeau ends up sort of screwing up in terms of uh, his federal policies or corruption or anything like that, he ends up throwing someone under the bus. And this time he's throwing over 20 percent of his cabinet under the bus to pretend that somehow he is not the root cause of all the issues going on right now. And I think most Canadians at this point know what's going on. So they don't really uh, they don't really have time for Justin Trudeau pretending that it was Marco Mendocino that was the one that was making the federal government not function properly. Uh, and so uh, instead of looking in the mirror and doing some serious self-reflection, of course, we we understand now after, you know, uh, eight years, he has no self-awareness. So what does he do? He blames everyday hardworking Canadians and basically dismisses us as a, like a bunch of knuckle dragging, mouth breathing right wingers who who don't understand how good we have it. Oh, he does it in a soft way. Where he, so he was out in this press conference in Summerford, Newfoundland, and he basically said, oh, well, it's not my government's not popular. It's just that the conservatives have been lying to people and people are believing those lies, which is taking away agency from Canadians. It's basically saying, oh, all these dumb, stupid fools are believing all these lies from the conservatives and they don't understand the genius that I'm putting forward. And like he's also saying all this other stuff that everyone's basically, they're a bunch of Luddites who don't know that the world's moving forward. And of course, any forward momentum is whatever he defines it as but yeah he's he's backed himself into this corner where all he has left is just the blame game and he has nobody credible left to blame and now he's moved on to just blaming canadians themselves for not buying into his genius <laughs> yes buying into his genius all right why we're going to take a quick time out we'll come back and uh, discuss further wyatt claypool senior correspondent with the national telegraph the nationaltelegraph.com support independent media back with more of our conversation right here on the richard saracho saga 960 stay with us just having a little chin wag on the richard saracho news talk saga 960 a.m Welcome back. Wyatt Claypool is here with the National Telegraph, thenationaltelegraph.com, and uh, talking about the desperation uh, cabinet shuffle last week from uh, Trudeau and his uh, liberal government, which is a little bit like, uh, I guess, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. It didn't work. Uh, They're down nine or ten points behind the conservatives, and yet... And yet, Wyatt, he just keeps doubling down on this whole idea of, you know, uh, the new green economy. It seems as if Canadians finally have basically said, that's it. We've had enough of it. But he he's undaunted. He's just pushing ahead regardless. Well, and I think he's always been used to the media being able to sort of come in at the last hour and be able to save him from himself, be able to sort of cajole Canadians enough that don't worry, we're we're going down the right path. You just have to believe like it's very much the Tinkerbell economy that if we just believe in it enough, eventually it will somehow, you know, start to work at the same time. So not only is he relying on the media more, but again, the, the problem is, is that even though I've never really liked the liberal government, they used to have people in cabinet who could kind of lent him credibility he used to have bill morno's around he used to have jody wilson raybold's around but now he doesn't really have that anymore so right now he's still pushing the same playbook assuming there's going to be this great cabinet in coming in behind him to make it everything seem like oh i could actually see this working but he's just out of it at this point but you know you don't really change tactics eight years into a government well, he's also factually wrong because you you, you point out one of his uh, in his speech he's talking about 
how Europe is not just choosing to get off of Russian oil and gas. They're trying to accelerate the transition to alternative lower carbon solutions. Well, I mean, that's just that's not happening. I mean, they realized the folly of their ways following this suicidal green agenda, perhaps maybe too late. But, you know, Germany is looking now for natural gas. Of course, Trudeau couldn't see the business argument for that. So they've gone to uh, the Middle East looking for natural gas. Uh, They're importing coal like never before. So, I mean, he just he really doesn't have a clue what's going on in Europe. Oh, and not only is it that we have, well, he literally had to beat off uh, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz the stick the other day to get him to not buy Canadian natural gas. Well, we're even seeing all these stories coming out of just, you know, apps, massive parking lots behind EV manufacturers of just unsold cars that nobody wants. And it just turns out that EVs are very much a upper middle class kind of a car to buy. It's not someone who actually needs the car for their day to day life or for the job. And the thing is that overall, like I would say that the liberals and just left wing kind of views of the green economy these days is very based around, you know, people with consulting jobs, people who don't actually, uh, you know, participate in making uh, a country go. They're there for all the supplementary stuff. But you can't keep replacing the vital economic uh, organs of your country with supplementary stuff. It's like whenever when we back when we had lockdowns back the day, everyone was like, well, everyone can just work at home. It works for me. I'm like, yes, because you were you're a consultant or you're a politician or you're someone who just sits at home and doesn't actually have to go, you know, to like some sort of a mine or doesn't have to go to the oil and gas rigs or doesn't have to go down and work your actual retail job. Right. Uh, as you say, you know, nobody's buying these EV cars. The top five automobiles in Canada remain SUVs and trucks. That's not going to change anytime soon. Um, and yet, what does he do in response instead of, again, maybe, you know, reversing course? He's looking at, uh, you know, further, uh, you know, offering further um, incentives to buy these cars. In other words, more ta- tax dollars. Um at at what point at what point do the uh, the, the the liberal uh the mucky mucks in the back room you know pull trudeau aside and say you know what you're you're just bringing us all down with you we can't fundraise anymore because of you it's time to take that long walk in the snow well, th- th- there's two things here. One, you're absolutely correct to point out the issue with fundraising is that it's not even just that the liberals are far behind the conservatives in polling. It's that they're so far behind in fundraising. I doubt the liberals would be able to drive out their 28 percent of the vote at this point. It's like the NDP. It doesn't matter how high the NDP polls. Everyone knows they're, under- they're going to underperform because they don't have the money. I don't think, though, at this point they can get rid of Trudeau, just because he's done such an efficient brain drain of the party, that if a Mark Carney came up and replaced him as the prime minister or just the leader of the Liberal Party going into 2025, it would feel so artificial. And that person who took over for Trudeau would be basically putting themselves on a platter to get destroyed by the Conservatives. So I think what the Liberals want is they just want to see Justin Trudeau get clobbered in this next election so then they can do the hard reset. Because if they replace him, that person is probably not going to be willing to stand up in front of Canada and say, yeah, everything the government's done over the past eight years has been garbage. They're going to wait until Trudeau has basically demonstrated nobody likes the ideas by losing an election. Then they're going to come and do the cleanup in the aftermath. Ah, so they're going to force him to go down with a ship. <laughs> Interesting strategy. Um, is it is it just Trudeau, though, or is it also, you know, the policies that Canadians don't want any part of? And if it is also the policies, are we going to see the liberals move, you know, more to the center. 
Well, that's what I mean. Once Trudeau goes down, I think they're going to use that as the excuse to ship Trudeau off with his policies to basically pretend that none of them believe in the policies. That was just Trudeau and his loyalists. And now Mark Carney is here to have a slightly more centrist sort of point of view. I think on the social issues, they've bought in too hard and they haven't been sort of clocked in the head on the social issues enough. So I think that they're going to moderate on the uh, on the economics, but I don't think that they're going to sort of, you know, drop the drag queen story hours, uh, gender theory types of stuff yet. I think that one, we have to sort of battle them out for a little bit longer before we're going to see results on that. Right. Well, I'm not convinced the conservatives are going to have a hard company with those policies either. However, what that remains to be seen, Wyatt Claypool, senior correspondent with The National Telegraph, support independent media, thenationaltelegraph.com. Wyatt, appreciate your insights as always. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Richard. My pleasure. All right. U.S. Attorney John O'Connor weighs in on the collapse of the Hunter Biden plea deal. What happened? That story's next. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Hey, welcome back. Hunter Biden's deal with prosecutors to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax evasion charges and then defer punishment for lying on a gun license application collapsed in dramatic fashion in a Delaware federal uh, courtroom last week. Here with more is U.S. Attorney John O'Connor. John, welcome back. How are you? Hey, good to be with you, Richard. So take us back, I guess, to uh, last Wednesday um, and, and how this I mean, this was kind of a, a shock, I think, to, to most observers that this deal would so suddenly collapse. It seemed to be a fait accompli, and it looked like Hunter Biden was going to uh, avoid certainly any jail time, even a criminal record. What happened? Well, a couple of things. Number one, the deal was one that judges usually don't like, which is not just that the prosecution would recommend no jail time, but that the judge had to accept that sentence as part of the deal. The judge doesn't always have to accept the prosecutor's recommendation. In this case, there was no deal unless the judge accepted it. So that's a that, that that's not a killer, but that's something that the judge is going to look at very closely because her discretion is thereby bound. But then there were some other aspects of this that really got her. One of them was, and she had been she had received some very good amicus curiae briefs from the Republican Congress and the Heritage Foundation. And then the question arose, have you promised immunity for all other crimes to Hunter Biden? And uh, it was very clear there had been a wink, wink, nod, nod agreement. But very quickly, the prosecutor said, no, there's not. We can still prosecute Hunter Biden. Well, that just blew the whole thing to smithereens because Hunter Biden's lawyers thought probably pretty rationally that they weren't going to get prosecuted. The, but the prosecutors had painted themselves in a corner, as had the FBI and the DOJ. In order to keep Congress from looking further into their files, they said, you can't look at our files because there's an ongoing investigation. Well, you can't have an ongoing investigation if you've agreed to give the party immunity for life. The investigation is over. So by saying it was an open investigation many times to Congress, they're between a rock and a hard place. They had to tell the judge, no, this thing's still open. We can still prosecute Hunter Biden. There apparently had been also some weasel words in the diversion agreement, which would normally not get uh, shown to the public, the judge studied it and saw some weasel words in there that bothered her about, that seemed to suggest immunity. But the long and short of it is, this thing cratered because of the problem with immunity. 
And what they're really concerned about is that a Republican will get elected. I, I think they know that there's not a snowball's chance in hell that uh, a Democratic DOJ is going to do anything to Hunter. That's a foregone conclusion. But they're worried about a Republican getting elected. The other thing that shows that is that they have an odd clause the judge said was unconstitutional, which is that to determine whether or not Hunter breached his probation, that it was part of the diversion agreement. A diversion agreement provides that you don't get prosecuted for the gun charge as long as you maintain this probation. But they said only the judge, not the prosecution, can tell, determine whether that a diversion agreement has been breached, the probation has been violated, and you can actually prosecute him for the gun charge. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. They're afraid that if you had Republican prosecutors after 2024, they could then decide whether or not he breached his probation. And so they tried to have the judge decide that. But the judge says, I can't do that. That's unconstitutional. I'm not a, an executive branch prosecutor. I'm a judge. I can't make a prosecutorial decision. So that's why it was unconstitutional. But the whole thing cratered because they didn't want to give an, uncom an incoming Republican administration the ability to prosecute Hunter. At the same time, they've been telling everybody in the world that, oh, this, this investigation is still open. So they just got caught up. It remains to be seen what will happen. I suspect there'll be a plea deal without some of these things that I just talked about, because it's still a great deal for Hunter Biden. But what is the the ongoing um, investigation? I mean, obviously, as you say, that was just a stall tactic because they didn't want they didn't want to give the um, the GOP majority in the House anything to work with in terms of their investigation of the Biden so-called crime family. I mean, is there, in fact, an ongoing investigation? Would it have to do, for example, with perhaps Hunter Biden failing to register as a foreign agent? That's about the only one, Richard. That's a very astute question because they've let the statute lapse deliberately on these tax evasion charges, which could have been lay down charges. They're so strong. And they let those lapse. And so the real uh, and there might have been some money laundering charges that lapsed as well. But there clearly were five or six felonies. I'm not sure what they all were other than tax evasion. But the FARA charges, the foreign agent registration charges, are still open because the statute of limitation runs from the last date that one can say you were still a foreign agent. So he may be a foreign agent as he's sitting there today. If so, the statute of limitations hasn't run at all. But certainly there's enough time left in that statute so that prosecution can be considered 
And again, if the Republicans win in 2024, it's probably open season on them. Now, let me back up. FARA is is the mother of all process crimes. It's a very vague statute. Mueller used it to go get Manafort and Michael Flynn. So it, it is something that really probably should be interred in the dustbin of history. It's really such a amorphous crime, let's put it that way. How many people in, represent foreign interests? I mean, I've represented foreign companies. Am I a foreign agent? I don't know. So anyway. Just a quick word. We just have about a minute and a half here, John, and that is Hunter Biden's uh, business partner, former business partner, Devin Archer, uh, seems willing to sort of spill the beans and um, testify that, yes, Joe Biden was in on those meetings and met business partners and talked about business and all of the things that the Biden White House has denied, denied, denied. Now, apparently, Devin Archer has received sort of a threatening letter from the DOJ, um, threatening him with with prison. Um, What are your thoughts? Well, he was going to go to prison anyway, but what they were doing is they were threatening to throw him in right away uh, and rather than waiting out whenever his date was. Uh, but they're clearly trying to intimidate him. So the question remains, I think he's already committed probably to say that he had had two dozen occasions uh, on which he witnessed phone calls with Joe and, and the business people. Now, what will he say about those conversations. Was Joe promising anything or suggesting anything in those conversations such as, boy, I love my son. I do. I try to do whatever he advises me to do. Or, boy, I always listen to my son. And Or my son and I have been talking about your situation, Mr. Client, and I'm very sympathetic to it. That would be interesting to know what the substance of those conversations is. But it is probably enough that Hunter gets his dad on the phone at a whim. It's almost like a a Hollywood trick. I'll show you how important I am. I'm going to get an important guy on the phone right away, and I've got his private line, and he'll pick up. So here we have the uh, vice president of the United States picking up at the whim of his son. Uh, So that's pretty darn good evidence. And you put that together with this report of the confidential informant that there was a bribe on the Shokin firing. Uh, you've got a pretty strong case in the in the jury of public opinion. You're never going to get these foreign guys to testify. So can you really bring them to trial? No. But in terms of our rights as citizens, as people in the Western world who care about the president of the United States, I think it's very important. John O'Connor is the author of Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism, also author of The Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened, and host of the podcast, Mysteries of Watergate, postgatebook.com, postgatebook.com, the website. Check it out. John, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Good talking to you, Richard. That's it for me. And uh, just a reminder, be sure to be listening between four and six all week long and all summer long as uh, you get your chance to win a seven night stay at the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa in beautiful Crete. I'm, of course, coming to you all summer long from Greece. Contest rules can be found at the website saga960am.ca. Be sure to check out the Instagram page at saga960, where we're uploading pictures of this beautiful, luxurious five-star resort each and every day. That's the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. Again, rules and regulations for the contest on my show page at saga960am.ca. Thanks to Jody, Jacob, Ryan, and Mike Carefalitis. I'll be back again to do it tomorrow all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, 
unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Tuesday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.